0: Welcome back for another week. We start perikyah dalit our learning is dedicated for all those in need. Wow. So we find ourselves in Perek Yudalit. Perek is the beginning of the Nachala. And once again, I wonder, how would it come out? Is there anything to share that's more than just places? And I want to share with you a beautiful set of ideas on a critical question. See, when we enter into this Peric, we get a little bit of an introduction to what's coming ahead over the next eight Eight, nine, prakim or so. And then afterwards, we take a a, a detour. And that detour takes us to the, the character of Kalev Ben Yifune. And the story of Kalev Ben Yifune, as it's woven into our story here, leads us to a lot of questions. And I think if we are able to answer those questions, we find ourselves in a place with a better understanding of this perek and the prakim in general. Pasag Aleph. And these were the ones that made the Nachla. They're the ones that created the inheritances, the portions of land. They divvied up the land to all those that were going to get, each tribe. You have the Kohen Gadol, the leader, and you have the heads of each tribe to Bnei Yisrael. So you have the spiritual leader in the Kohen Gadol, you have the leader of all, the whole nation in Yoshua, and you have the individual tribal leaders, the Rashe Hamatot. And all of them come together with the intent of dividing the land. Pasuk Bet. What's going to happen is, They are going to divide it up by go Now, we have to understand what is If you look on the screen, you'll see two beautiful images on the left, the the ping-pong balls of the lottery and the Powerball. Who hasn't played the lottery, hoping that all you need is a dollar and a dream? For, For a moment, I can envision myself as a multimillionaire. What happens when I win a billion dollars? $2 $2 billion. Guy just won $2 billion. He spent got $998 million in a lump sum payment. He already bought himself two mansions. It's a question. We all laugh. <laughs> bought two mansions? No. I would do this. I would do that. Not so clear. So is that the idea of go route Is that we're picking out, oh, it's a lottery. Who's going to win this portion? Who's going to win that portion? Is it that? Or is it more than that? Now, we're going to put that on the back burner. We're actually not going to answer that Today. We're gonna to save that for next week or the following week, but it's an interesting question that we nonetheless have to wonder. What exactly is this Goral? Pasukimel. Kinatan Now we're told it's only to nine and a half tribes. Why? Because he gave Moshe already had given out the Nachla, to two and a half tribes on the other side of the Jordan, which is what we focused on in Perek Gimel. And the Leviim did not get any tribal um, portion in the land of Israel. Okay, so the Ben Yosef were, 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 were two tribes, Ephraim and Menasha. So it's a, it's a basic math problem. Nine and a half tribes, Yoshua and Lazarus Cohen. And the Rosh so Two and a half Moshe did. Nine and a half plus two and a half comes out to 12. Minus one is who? You're taking out of there Levi. Now, if Levi comes out of there and you're at 11, how do you get to 12? Well, Yosef is not a tribe. Now you're down to 10 because Yosef is two tribes, Ephraim, Umanasha. And, and that's plus two, and that's how you get to 10. So base 12. And basically, if you read Pasuk, Bet, Gimel, and Dalit, what do you get? You get a very nice math problem. That Nicker points out that our p- parak starts off with the word the Eila. Why the Eila? Because if you look back to uh, the parak before, the second last passage is Eila Shonichal Moshe. Eila Moshe. This is what Moshe gave out. The Eila, and these are the ones that Yeshua gave out. Okay? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Now, why is it that um, the Radak actually does a beautiful job of, of laying out this, this math problem. It's very, very, very nice. Okay. Now, the Malbim. The Malbim has a great question. We are not going to answer the question, but I think it's an important question to nonetheless think about. How is the land distro- d- d- divided? If there were 12 equal slices, so imagine a pizza pie divided into 12. Very hard to do eights and 16s, 12's not so simple. 12 slices, if each person gets the same slice, it's not necessarily fair because if you have a four-year-old eating from the slice of the, of the pie and then you have an eight-year-old, then you have a grown-up, each one of them has what they can eat. So a 12th of a pie is not necessarily fair. Okay, so that's it's a, it's a, and besides that that's against what the Torah says. The Torah says, What And 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 furthermore, what's your Yosef's complaint when they say Imperacid Zion? We don't have enough. What do you mean? God said, And if it's by head. How does it even work? He said a shevet So he says, I want to understand how does this work? A If it's going to be based on cities, so cities also. You know, you're going to end up having the number of cities will end up unless they're by person. It's not going to work out. It says not only that, but if it's based on the the head count, so then what's Yosef's complaint? And furthermore, why is it that Yehuda comes along and and it says that he was the first one to get the goral? Everybody got the goral. It says there are a lot of other uh, questions that we are going to spell out as we continue along in this parak. So what we have so far in the very first couple of psukim is just the question of. What is the notion of Goral and how exactly does that work? And I think that that is something that we just have to think about a wee bit. It's just like God had commanded the Moshe, they do, the Jewish people do. So, what are what are we talking about here? What is it, Kasher Tzivash and Moshe? What did Moshe command the Jewish people that they did? So, the Malbim says that everything that Moshe had explained in terms of the way to divide the Nahla that's exactly what had happened. Matsuda's David, though, takes it a little bit, takes a, a step back. And perhaps he's going to get himself into less problems and he avoids the Malbim altogether because he says, what was it? The Kashet the, Siva is Sholorat and Levium. But the Levium didn't get a piece of land. That's not controversial. We know there are 48 cities that go to the Levium plus the Arunachalah. So those are the cities that go to Nobody debates that, but it is a debate to understand how exactly do the people get the Nahla Okay. So now we turn our attention to Pasipaph. And I think that this is where the story for us today begins. So the Bnei Yehuda come with Yoshua to, 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 to Yoshua bagilgal, Gilgal, and Kalev speaks them. So all of Shavit Yehuda comes, and Kalev is their spokesperson. And he says to Yoshua in Gilgal, you know what happened with Moshe. You know what Moshe, when God spoke to Moshe. With what happened in Kadesh Barnea. Now for those of you that are not familiar with Kadesh Barnea, you're probably familiar with the story but you're not necessarily familiar with the place itself. And some of you are like, what are you talking about? Of course I know Kadesh Barnea. That's the place that the spies left for Chet Comes along, and says, you know what happened. You and I went out and God, we came back and God promised us something to Moshe because of what we had done in Kadesh Barnea. We're the successful spies. So, a couple of questions that jump out. The first question is, why are the B'nai Yehuda there? Going on here. So Matthuz David says, Lazor, the they are there to help Kalev. They're there for support. But if you look actually at the beginning, Pasuk, Aleph, Bet, of our Perek, and now you take a look at our Pasuk here, Pasuk Vav, up on the screen, you will notice that there is someone missing. In the first story, we have Elazar, Kohen, we have Yoshua Benun, we have Rashad Avotamatot. We have the Kohen Gadol, we have Yoshua, and we have the heads of the tribes. It's a consortium that represents all of the Jewish people. Here we don't. It's a very intimate conversation between the Bnei Yehuda, Shevet Yehuda, and Yoshua. Now it's a question: Is this a confrontation? We're gonna have to wonder about that as we go along. But is it a If it's a confrontation, is it Yehuda against Yehoshua personally, or is it really a bigger thing? Is it Yehuda against? Yehoshua, who's representative of Ephraim in the position of Malchus, if you will. And therefore, what the Bnei Yehuda are doing is it's a typical power play between the Bnei Yosef and the Bnei Yehuda, the Bnei Rachel versus the Bnei Leah. Is it that? Okay, so those are things that we have to try to better understand. Also, does it matter that that the meeting place is in Gilgal? Is there any significance to that? I didn't really find anybody that discussed that, but I think that it's possible that there is something significant going on here that is connected to the place of Gilgal. So all these are questions. Why is it just the B'nai Yehuda and Yoshua? And what does Gilgal have to do with it? And what is Kalev even introducing here? That which, you and me, the spies, what exactly is going on? Interesting also, Moshe is referred to as the Lokim. And then, if you take a look at the next Pasuk, which we will in just a moment, is Eved Hashem. I believe that actually speaks a lot to the beginning of Perek Aleph of Sefer Yoshua. We also had the Moshe Lokim, Moshe Eved Hashem. What's going on here? What is all of this supposed to be doing for us? So let's take a look at a quote from the Dot Mikra. What they wanted to do is, they wanted to strengthen his claim. Now, the Metsuda says, Maybe it's a little bit more. Everybody else, the whole Chavra is only there for Goral, for this lottery. Of sorts. They're saying, no, 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 no. What we're about to ask for, the portion of Hebron, is no strings attached. There is no go, I will win. I won't win. I might win. No. Hebron is mine. I'm coming here to you with this complaint, with this legitimate Tana on you because it's mine. Or maybe just a simple request. Before we do the division, you're about to divide everything up. Just want to let you know that there's certain things that are off the table. I, I spent many, many, many years as a student activities person in, uh, in Hank. And what I loved about it was that you uh, have this opportunity to inspire kids, to work with kids, and to share with kids. And one of the m- modes that is most useful is prizes. All these contests and rewards and everything in order to inspire, hopefully, or at least motivate people to learn. Now, where do you get those prizes? Obviously, there's a budget, you get good prizes, but the best prizes generally came from my house. What happened is we would clean the house, take all the things that we didn't want anymore, bring them to school. And someone would be like, oh my gosh, this treasure, this treasure I got from from where? From my house. What happens is that sometimes you have to sneak them out of the house. But every once in a while, my children would catch me with this bag, big bag. Like, Where is that going? And then they would quickly go in and be like that, you can't give that. You can't give that. So some of it is off the table. That's what Yehuda and Kalev are trying to make the argument. Avron is not negotiable. It is not part of the Nachala. It's not part of the Goral. It is ours. Okay. So let's let's move along. So what does he say? Pasak Zayn. Ben arbaim shana anochi bishlach moshavra shamutim kadesh I was 40 years old we're going back in time now we're going to go back in time to the story of the Meraglim he says I was 40 years old bishlach moshavra shamutim kadesh barnei leRagel Tirt when I went leRagel Tirt so interesting that he uses the word leRagelta aretz when in the Torah itself it doesn't say "liragel Tirt it says leTura Tirt the ashavoto davar kasher im levavi and what and I returned the message, kasher im levavi, which was in my heart. Says Rashi. What does it mean? Kasher im Livavi. So he says, the low kasherim impi. And now it was in my mouth, but it was in my heart. The meraglim all came with one agenda. The all came with one agenda. Khaled didn't want to say, I'm not saying the same thing as you. And then when he came back, that's when he went against them. Khaled says, do you know how hard it was for me? What did I have to do? What was in my heart is what I shared. The whole time, for those 40 days, when I was talking to the fellow spies, I was pretending that I was one of them. That's an interesting question. That that's beyond the scope of our learning. But what was Yoshua? Was Yoshua also Kashem Levavi? Hello, Kasherim Pi? Or is it possible that they knew that Yoshua was a close, close protege of Moshe, and they knew that he was already, no matter what, he his vote was already cast. The question that they had was. Where was Kalev? It's one possibility. The Chobet Anach, though, offers a different possibility in Kashem Levavi, and he suggests the following. Peirush b'shnei yitzarai. We say in Shema, a levavecha b'shnei yitzarai hacha. The Yitzarai Tov, Yitzarai. Because they both said, I have to say the truth. Yes, even my Harah, I was able to do that. So he says, I was 40 years old, and this is what happened. The people, what did they do? They came along and uh, they melted the hearts of the people. And yet I tried so hard to what? To follow along, to inspire the people in the ways of God. So Moshe swore by God that day, saying that the land that you went, you traveled, there's a place that you traveled to, that is yours to you and to your children at Olam. Because you followed after God. Wow! What he's being told is that this piece of land that you went to which we're going to find out in just a moment is what it's the land of hebron he went to we don't see that in the psukim we think that we see it in the psukim and we'll look at it in just in just a few minutes but it's not so clear how do we know this is probably the real source that he was the one that went there you have to wonder why is it left out of the original text. The actual story itself is just alluded to. And here it's, here it's spelled out pretty quickly. Because and I've lived 45 years. For all the time that the Jews traveled the desert. I'm now 85 years old. Now how do we know? How do we know how long the Nachla took? It's unbelievable. The, this is actually the source for it. He says, I was 40 at the time, uh, at the time of the spies. The spies went out in year number two. It's 38 years they wandered. 38 years plus 40 takes them to 78. That's fact. Now we're told he's 85, seven years later. It's the end of the Kibush. Seven years for the Kibush. This is the McCor, the source for it. He's 85 years old. He says, I'm still strong. Still strong. And I can go out to fight. Now, we do have to understand what does this Pasuk mean? He's still strong. Is he physically strong? He's 85 years old and he could, he could bench press whatever he could when he was 40? Or is it a different kind of strength? But really, I think the biggest question of this whole parak is not only why Gilgal, and okay, that's one of the looming questions that we still haven't gotten to, but why do we, why now? Why is Kalib introduced into our text right here? Do we really need to know this right here? I'm afraid that we're going to enter into murky territory again on Yehoshua. Now, Josh Sirwadian said to me last week, sent me a beautiful message saying that he enjoyed our shir, And specifically, he enjoyed the fact that Yoshua comes out looking great, even though the medrash maybe not so much. But we have to try to understand a little bit what is going on here. And there are several different approaches to it. And I trust that some of them will leave people happier, some less happy. I'm not 100% certain where I, where I feel on the, on the matter. I'm going to present all three of them. So, what's going on here? Pasuk Yud-Beh. V'yatat naliyat haharaz asher Dibar Hashem Bayomahu. He asks for this specific mountain. Ki atashamata v'yom ahu, anakim sham. I heard that there are giants there. V'arim g'dolot b'tzurot. And there are strong, fortified cities there. V'olay Hashem otiv v'orashim kashur Dibar Hashem. Let me go there. I'll go up and I'll conquer that city. Ha'yivarachei v'yoshua v'yitenek alev le'ethevron le'kalei b'yofunel l'nachala. And he blesses, and he was Yehoshua blesses him, and he gives Chevron to Kalev as Yifun as his personal nachla. Alkeinai tach Chevron leKalev and Yifunak nizil enachala ad hayom hazeh. And this is his nachla ad hayom hazeh. Yan asher milei acharei Hashem ok because he followed God, he wasn't afraid. Nothing scared him. He wanted that place. So I want to take a a step back here. What exactly is Kalev Kalev saying? Kalev is saying two things. I am connected to Chevron. He makes that very clear. Chevron is mine. I went there. How do we know that? You take a look. You'll see. They go up to the Negev and they come until and he comes to Chevron. Who's the he? It has to be. Based on this story, I'm the one. He's the one. Kalev's the one that went to Chevron. Beautiful. Okay. And I'm still strong and energetic. So I'm going to share with you three ideas. The first idea, all in the left, the Chevron way. Yes, that is the street sign, probably by Chevron, the gas station's headquarters. The first one is an idea by Reverend Michael Head. The second answer it's a beautiful idea by Rev Remmer. And the third one is an answer by Rabbi Alex Israel. They're all interesting answers. You can decide which one you want. What does Kalev say? I'm connected to Hebron. I'm still strong and energetic. What about Yeshua? What is he saying this whole thing? Well, we know from the previous peric, he's, oh, he's finished fighting. The fighting is over. Ain't kawach. The the Time has come up. Nachala. And then we're also told Zakimim, Baba, Yamin, he's old, no longer strong. Now that's really, really, really important. He is no longer the vital, the, the, the man that's full of vitality, the energy, the strength, to do what Khalid is suggesting that he can do. So what exactly is going on here? Three possibilities. First possibility, Rabbi Michael Hatton. Do you know why he goes to Hebron? Kalev understands that there is some spiritual reservoir, and this, that the emuna, that we can do it, is somehow tied to Hebron. The Jewish people, for all their years in, in Egypt, what was the place that they were most connected to? Most connected to Marat It's Keber Avo. Yaakov said, That is where I want to be buried. And the, the, the message he sends to the Jewish people from then on is, that's where you belong. You're tied to Marmapao. There are people that go back to Europe to, to visit these tiny little towns. Why? Because they want to Kabiravo. They want to go visit their, their ancestral graves, the graves of their grandparents, their great-grandparents, their great-great-grandparents. That's what they want. Kalev understood that. He says, we need the Amunah to connect to Hebron. That's what the Avot told us to do. I'm going to do that also. Kalev is saying that now we seem to have reached a little bit of an impasse. Your job is done, Yeshua. Everybody else has to go forward now. What do they need now? They need this reservoir of faith. Says Rabbi Michael that's the Hebron way. That's what has to happen right now, right now. Each of the shvatim has to hear Kalev. Did this happen right now? I don't know. But they have to hear Kalev saying, it's all about Hebron. It's all about Amunna. It's all about believing that we can do it. We can do it. We're actually going to see as we follow along over the next couple of prakim, not every shevet has that. Yehuda has this unbelievable reservoir of faith. Perhaps it's ignited by Kalev. Not every shevet has that. A lot of the shvatim fall very short of what they're supposed to accomplish. Certainly not the chevron way. That is the answer of Rabbi Michael Hatton. Rev. Remer, though, suggests something that's a little bit more of a finger point, a little bit more damning on Yoshua. He uses the words, V'latzei V'lavoh. To be able to go out and come. He says, I can do that. I'm willing to do that. Yoshua, do you remember back when you were appointed by Midbar of Zion? What happened there? Moshe said, I need someone who's going to be You can't do that anymore. You're old. You're no longer strong. You're no longer fighting. I have that a pretty, pretty potent line that he says. And is it possible that that's the reason why we're in Gilgal still? He comes to Gilgal to say to Yoshua, why are we still in this transit camp? We don't need to be there anymore. No, let's go, move. Everybody's got to go where they need to go. I'm going to Hebron. I want to live there. I don't want to keep coming back to Gilgal. I'll go out. I'll lead them. Okay, Yoshua, you're done. You can't do it anymore. Me. Isn't that a fascinating thing? That actually w- makes us wonder if this is not a Yoshua Kalev thing. Oh, we we're both the spies together. But maybe it's much bigger than that. He's turning to Yoshua to and saying, Yoshua, you are the leader right now. It's not been a Yosef's job. This is a me. That is perhaps, perhaps the second answer. I'm not sure. There's a third answer. The third answer is a beautiful answer given by Rabbi um, Alex Israel. He asks, why is it that we seem to have, if you look at the Pesukim carefully, there seems to be a lot of me, 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 me. I did this. Look at everything I accomplished. That's what Kalei seems to say. We, we don't seem, we don't really expect that. He's Kalei. He's one of the leaders of the Jewish people. This is not his speech of, look at me. I did so much. Why is, he, why is he tooting his own horn? He suggests the following. Yoshua doesn't speak up. They come back and the 10 spies got blurt out. The place is horrible. We can't do it. It's Kalev that quiets everyone down. He says, we can do it. We will do it. We got to go up. That's what he says. Why does Kalev do that? Now maybe it's because Nobody's going to listen to Yeshua. The like Gemara and Sota says, Kalev, what does he say? He says, what did Ben Amram do to us, for us anyway? Everybody expects him to come. him. Be number 11. Icing on the cake. And Yoshua's already sold. They know where he is. But perhaps it's Rabbi Alex so it's a little bit different. You see, Kalev comes and says to Yoshua, I was the one that spoke up. See, there's two types of leaders. There's you, Yoshua, your institutional leadership. You're the person that follows after Moshe's way. It is leadership from the helm. It's this person that, that, that guides the people, no doubt. I'm not institutional leadership. I'm the do-it guy. I think they, they have an expression. It's the G2G. The go-to guy. You need to get something done, you go to him. Yeah, you don't go to the institutional leader. He's going to have to go to the government. They're going to have to form a committee, bureaucracy. He's going to get killed by committee. You go to the go-to guy. He says, fine, I know how to do it. We bulldoze right through Kali says, to, to, says right here to Yoshua, I got this. This is not a time anymore for an institutional leader. We need someone who's going to take the bull by the horns, who's going to run with it, who's going to make it happen. That's me. That's me. That's my Shevet. Yehuda's the one to lead it. I'm going to Hevro. Just like by Hevro. I, I was the one, I shut everyone up. I was the one that protested. I was the one that defended. That's what I did. It is my turn once again. It's a beautiful possibility. Before we end the last pasuk of our perech, I, I want to share with you something that I think is really important. Just an hour or two ago, as I was walking, I was listening to a beautiful idea, beautiful idea by Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg having nothing to do with Sefer Yushua at all. But he says that it's important that we, when we learn Torah, Torah is all about transformation, not information. Torah is about transformation, not information. It's not just, oh, we, we can pat ourselves on the back again, 14 proclim of Sefer Yushua, isn't that amazing? It's not just learning the details, but how do we change by learning of it? So I want to share with you what I think the message of this parak is. Khalid is coming along and he's saying what he believes is true. But I think the greatness in this whole parak, whether it's a critique on Yoshua or not, the greatness of Yoshua in all this is his reaction. Edmund H- Hillary, the first known man to climb Everest, said the following it is not the mountain we conquer, but ourselves. The greatness of Yoshua is that he finds within himself the ability to. to Not strike back. Say right. I agree with you, Khalid. There's what that you're saying. I give you my bracha. Take Hevron, take that message. It's all good. Isn't it interesting that Khalid's words that he's asking for the mountain? But it's not the mountain for Yoshua. It's all about conquering himself. I I love the the cartoon there because I think it's so true. Sometimes it's hard to open your hand, but you need to. What's holding that guy back? is pride. If he drops his pride, he can take his other hand and get pulled up. Kalev is offering Yoshua critique. Yoshua accepts it. And I think that's what makes Yoshua so great. Rather than saying, oh, look at me. What he says is, he says I have to actually potentially take a look at myself and say, you know what? Maybe I have to be more reflective. Maybe I didn't do exactly what I could have or should have done. And that's what Yeshua does. And that, I think, is the message What we have to all ask ourselves. Are there moments where there's caliphs that come to us and tell us things? We don't hear it because we're busy being pulled down by our pride. It's not the mountain we conquer, but ourselves. The very last pasuk, the the name of Hebron before was Keryat Arba, which is... uh, which is uh, based on the name Hadam HaGadol. Arba was the great, the giant's uh, father. We have the four giants that live there. Their, their father was, Ar- was Arba. Baretz shaktam imilchama. And what happened? It was the the land was quiet from war and the land is at peace and the Jewish people are able to go on. Have a wonderful week. Thank you once again for joining us. Keep walking in the ways of the prophets and we'll see you next week with Perik Tetvav.